to run in circles. I just, you know, it, uh, you just meet someone and, and, you, and you ask the Lord to have some discretion. And, and uh, we just uh, have been blessed with some good men come through here. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to have, you know, somebody like Joel Osteen come through here or something, you know what I'm saying. But, but uh, you know, um, just met Brother Saul your, uh, Wednesday and was talking to him. And, and uh, I, I don't usually do that, but I just a- asked him, hey, would you like to preach on Sunday night? And he's going to do that. And I'm just truly looking forward to it, brother. So why don't you come? Give us what God's laid on your heart. And uh, looking forward to it, pal. Yeah, that other guy, he was, he was whining this morning, wasn't he? <laughs> Used to all this stuff. It's been a while since I've been around electronics, such as these things. There's just not much reason. Our building that we meet in, I think it's slightly larger than your kitchen. So nobody has a hard time hearing me. But I'm very thankful to be here, and it, it does mean a lot because um, for a pastor to allow you to, to preach from the pulpit, it's not as though it is his pulpit, but God has given him the responsibility of being a watcher and being an under-shepherd to look out for you and what you are taught. And so I've never had to do it. I don't know if you have, brother. You've had somebody get up there because you thought it was a great idea, and you just had to stop him in the middle. But I was thinking about that this morning, something you said, you know what, I think as pastors, we'd be willing to do that, though. It'd be terribly uncomfortable for everyone, but uh, you have a taser. Good to know. (laughs) I'll still behave the same way I would anyway. (laughs) Who knows? I'm having all kinds of new experiences since I've been in Colorado. I say, First time getting to preach in Colorado, first time I've wearing one of these things across my face. I figure it's either a mosquito I'm going to keep flicking at or I'm ready to take off. I'm in an airplane and I've got a headset on. Uh, the other one is yesterday, guess what I did? I'm from Toke, Alaska. That is rural interior Alaska. I swung my first golf, cl- golf club yesterday. It was, enjoy- it was top golf, so it was not like real golf. You're hitting a ball, and it's got a microchip. Anyways, I went with some cousins that I have that live near Denver, and uh, so I was appreciative to get to catch up with them and their, their husbands, both recently married, um, but uh, all kinds of new experiences, but the best experience so far is getting to, to just be with God's people. I love Steve and Janice. They know that. They are such dear friends. Um, it is amazing in the summertime what we experience. I don't know what life is like here. Uh, they just show up at our, ha- show up at our house. It doesn't matter if it's dinner time or if it's uh, in the morning. We're just going to spend time together. We eat meals together almost every night when they're there. We just love being together. And uh, I noticed that there is that in this church. Hold on to it. It's precious. It can go away. It can go away. I've seen it go away in churches. And people start pitting themselves against each other and nitpicking one another instead of loving one another. And so this evening, I had emailed some pictures, and I am not tech-savvy. No need where I live. <laughs> so I emailed this guy some pictures. He, they're tech-savvy up there. So we'll see. The pictures aren't in order. I was having the hardest time getting them to upload and to get over here. But I'll just talk through some of these pictures. They're just pictures I had on my phone the pastor had mentioned to try to send some. This is what it's like at night uh, in Toke. 
real dark. I know, I kind of threw that on. I should have given like a 10-minute lead up. Like in 10 minutes, we're going to look at the pictures that I emailed. Yeah. I have a, I have a friend, and one of his favorite sayings is, he says, it's darker than the inside of a cow. And uh, so that's good. That would work here in Colorado. We're re- oh, keep going. We need more time. So anyways, go ahead and grab your Bibles. We'll at least find our place in the Scripture tonight while they figure some things out. We'll be in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in verse number 18. My wife is back home enjoying the beautiful... That is definitely not where I'm from. <laughs> Must be nice. I told Pastor Bishop we've got a bonus on this trip because it turned out that he was here at the same time, and I do appreciate you and your family taking the time to come up here tonight and to see me. You know, years ago I was going through periods of discouragement. You know, you, as a pastor, especially in the ministry, you, you wind up getting close to people you want the most possible, uh, you know, that, that is possible for their life in serving the Lord, and then things just don't turn out like you hoped. And it can be fairly devastating. And I'm thankful for the friends that God has given me. And it seems like in the last few years, God just keeps proving over and over again just how much He has people in my life in order to be of help to me. I'm one of those guys, I don't know about the other men in here, but who in here, it's easy for you to ask for help. Who in here asks for help? I have a hard time with that. You know what, I had a man move up from Colorado two years ago. He's one that was preaching for me this morning. Thank you for your gift, Colorado. And uh, he said something here a few months ago. He said, you think that might be pride? You know what kind of friend calls you on the carpet like that? Somebody that cares. Might be pride, guys. Keeps us from asking for help. All right, well, there's Brother Steve's backside. Brother Bishop's backside. Uh, We were just doing some remodeling this fall on the church building. And here's uh, Junior and his little daughter Coraline. They're they're faithfully pretty much every single Sunday uh, out in the village of Mentast. It's about an hour away. The pastor in Glen Allen and I, we switch Sundays. And so that way he has to drive even further than I do. For us, it's an hour. For him, it's about an hour 15 to hour and a half. Uh, And so I appreciate Junior is growing. And just two weeks ago, it was really surprising what he said My wife has said it over and over again because it can be difficult. You know, you drive an hour and one person shows up with their little girl sometimes, and you're glad that they're there. But you're wondering, I wonder if this village is ever going to get excited about what God can do in their life. And then out of the mouth of Junior, he says, I'm so thankful. He said, God really, really rebuked me here a while back. He said, you showed up at my house, and I wasn't even, I had forgotten. And he said, if God's going to send someone out here, He said, he must really want to teach me something. And it just set my wife's mind at ease that we're doing what God wants us to do. Here's my friend Ray Elsner. And uh, Steve knows him. He does not know the Lord yet, but uh, 
He is, God has brought us together. He came over the house. We just welded up and put a plow on the front of his truck uh, last winter. And there's Brother Steve and his daughter, Annalena, helping butcher some moose meat. I think that was two years ago. And there's my proof, guys. I told him last year was the first time I really went and did like a real hunt. I did it between Sunday and Thursday. I went sheep hunting, and I got one. And they said, well, you need a picture to prove that you got a doll sheep. There it is. There's the proof. There's my wife refusing to admit that winter is not over, hanging up laundry. It's snowing. And there's just some hunting pictures in here for the guys that appreciate that sort of thing. For the ladies that don't, I apologize. Hauling some sheetrock back to somebody's cabin with a snow machine. Thought that might be interesting for you. And then here is some guys that were a part of the church years ago. Um, one of them's moved on uh, out, of, out of the town when we were doing a building project in the back. I'm thankful God supplies uh, men. There's Brother Steve helping again. Always crawling around in the dirt when we need him to. And this is the first place that we met when we first got there. We met in a house, did some renovating in there, and here's the first folks that showed up. You know, we were going to set our first scheduled service for like a month from when we got there. We're going to start, you know, handing out tracts and put up bulletins, and people showed up the next Sunday. So those same people don't come, but that was God showing me. We have literally had one service in almost 10 years where nobody showed up. I figured it'd take 10 years before anybody would even look me in the eye and give me half a chance. So we're very thankful. We got to do a VBS some years ago uh, in a building we got to use for about two years. And here's the, the sanctuary part where we met in the house when we first got there. Just some pictures of that room. And that's where we stayed when we first got there. Bear on the way there. You go, you'll get to see some wildlife. More hunting pictures. Got to have meat. And here's the new building that we've been in. We've had, we've had it for about five years, maybe six. I can't remember. And uh, it's been a, been, a, been a tremendous blessing. We are the only church of any kind in Toke that's actually on the highway uh, that people come in through. So we get all kinds of people that come through. And there's the office where my wife meets with some girls for a Sunday school class. And there's the bathroom. And there's my wife's dog, my dog when he's good. Once again, hanging up laundry, it's still winter. And here's some folks from the church. This is Brother Matt, Miss Jody. They're the ones that moved up from Colorado, from the Durango area. And uh, he was preaching for me this morning. I guess I got that one twice. But uh, very thankful um, to watch God growing people. You know, when he first got there, Matt two years ago, I said something to him. I said, well, maybe someday in all, I'll ask you to, to, to sing a special for us or something. He's like, no. I said, well, maybe, you know, maybe someday you'll preach for me. He's like, well, I don't think so. You know what? When I told him that I was going to come down here, I said, I'm going to call some pastors that I know who are, I'm sure would be willing to come and fill in. And he says, why are you doing that? I said, what do you mean? He says, I'll do it. I'll do it. I said, well, I'll get the Thursday night. You know, if you can do the Thursday night, I think I'll have a pastor for Sunday morning. And he's like, okay. Well, that pastor said he couldn't come. You know, he had too many things going on. And so I told Brother Matt, and he says, I already got a, I already got a message ready. So I'm very thankful. Don't, uh, don't believe what the devil tells you, that you cannot serve him. 
I know sometimes, I know my, my attitude is I don't, I don't feel as though people are going to want to listen to what I have to say. It's not about what we have to say. It's about what God can say through us. His word's worth talking about, isn't it? Amen. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 18. We'll just spend a little bit of time looking at some things here. Our, our text is all the way down to verse number 27. The title of the message, if you're into that kind of thing, my wife sure is. Boy, she likes a title that we can put in our notebook, and it really helps her to be able to, to pick up as the message goes on. The title is, Beauty is in the Eye of the Beholder. You ever heard that before? Fairly common idiom uh, saying that people have. And basically, the thrust of it is this. What you might think is pretty, I might not think is pretty. There's some, there's some women that they marry some men, and they say, oh, my husband, he's so wonderful, he's such a handsome guy. You're just standing there and say, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. It truly is, isn't it? And there are some things that we find beauty in that some people do not see beauty in. And we're going to look at some of those things here this evening in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse number 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was reading through here before, all I could think of, it's 2020 and we got to listen to another season of politicians campaigning for the presidency. Now, you just bear that in mind while we read through this, because this is literally how the people that we love in our own families, the people in our country, and even people in this church that are unsaved, this is how they think, and it's how we used to think. Verse number 20, where is the wise, where is the scribe, where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to look into thy word. It truly, truly is so very beneficial. It is so very applicable even today. And Father, it is worthy of our attention. Thank you for the wisdom that is contained in it, and Father, might we worship you at this time, not caring about the things that lie outside those, those doors, the responsibilities that we will face tomorrow, but Father, might you prepare us in these moments for a week that we might serve you in. For it's in the precious name of Christ we pray, amen. Just going to look at two different groups here this evening. Who in here likes messages with two points? I was in a church one time in Arizona. That preacher, on a Sunday night, he preached every letter of the alphabet. 
Now, granted, most of them were awfully short, and it wasn't really any longer than a normal sermon, but I was concerned. And it was funny, you'd look around and everybody was really dreading, we're going to be here for a week. Just two points tonight. Number one, we're going to look at the perishing. First of all, the perishing often miss the beauty of the cross. They miss the beauty of the cross. I don't know what it's like for everyone growing up, but I sure did not have much appreciation for poetry, for, uh, I guess, ancient works of art growing up. I'm like, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. I remember taking poetry in high school, and we're going through these poems. This is absolutely a waste of time. If they want to communicate an idea, there is a much briefer way in order to accomplish that. All of these words that people don't use and and putting them together, but the older I get, the more I begin to understand why mankind will oftentimes spend so much of their life trying to paint a picture of something that they have beheld that they cannot just put into simplistic language. They look at the world, they look at relationships, they look at what God has done, or they they, they think of a, a moment in their life and it's so profound that they struggle and they write music and they write poems and they, they, they write books trying to describe just how beautiful something is. Well, for the perishing, oftentimes when they hear of the gospel, they don't see the beauty in it, at least not yet. The beauty of the cross is literally lost on the lost. It is, if it can be proved in their minds, but a piece of history, one fact amongst a multitude of bits of history. Have you ever looked out at some great canvas covered from edge to edge by the brush of the Creator, and you stood there and you were just absolutely blown away? This is the most profound moment in my life. I've heard parents talk about, you know, the most most profound moment in my life was when my baby came into the world, when my child came into the world. And they're telling other people that, and they're like, yeah, that's, I mean, it's special, and that's great, but they, they don't appreciate it like you appreciate it, because they're not you, and God isn't doing the same thing in their life at that moment that He had done in your life in that moment. And when you tell people about the gospel, they will oftentimes look at you like you are a fool. And that's what they oftentimes will even voice. They will literally tell you, you are a fool. What are you doing wasting your life talking about such an ancient story? Because you see beauty in it, don't you? It's, it's, it's an event, not only in history, but in your own life and in the lives of people that you love and people that you want to know and want to love and want in your family. It's so lovely that you want them to see the beauty of it. But many don't yet. Don't let it discourage you. When they look at the gospel, when you tell them of it, and they see no beauty. The preaching of the cross, it's simply not impressive. Sometimes they even find it to be boring, impersonal for those that perish. The Bible says they see it not as insightful, dramatic, or lovely. No, they regard it as foolishness. You ever come across somebody or even yourself act in a very foolish manner? Now, I know that I acted in a foolish manner at times as a child, 
But I, I feel as though I'm, I skipped over a lot of stuff that I see other kids doing. And I'm not saying that they, they shouldn't do some of those things, but there, was re, there were th- expectations for me when I was growing up because of my life situation. And so I had to take a more serious approach to things. No, I can't just go buy what I want to buy. i got to go buy toothpaste. I, don't, I can't just go buy what I want to buy. If I want new pants, i got to buy pants. Would my dad have done it? Yes, but I'm not about to ask him. By the time I was 14, I was working and earning money, and I figured that's my responsibility. I need to go ask my dad to do that. Changes our perspective. Well, there's a lot of people that you love. There are just sometimes they don't see it's their responsibility yet to look at the gospel and to see the beauty that is there so that they might make it personal. It's just a religious notion that millions of people have followed like a fairy tale to them. To them that perish, the preaching of the cross is a waste of time. While they pursue the needs and desires of their days, they see no need for the message of the cross. I think of it like this. You know, how many people do we know, including ourselves, we don't really care about the medical profession until we need it. I mean, do you care about how much money and how many hours it took for a doctor to graduate from college? Do you really care about all the effort that it takes for nurses to put up with all the things that they have to put up with in order to care for patients? Or the chemists that spend their life devoted in a lab trying to come up with medications that will help you to either numb pain or to deliver you from something? I mean, I I never used to believe in, 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 in medicine at all until my, my brother finally gave me some steroids years ago. For about a year, I could barely take a deep breath. So leading music was absolutely horrible. I took a couple of steroids that he had from when he had pneumonia, and literally within two hours, that inflammation was gone enough that I could already tell an improvement. You know, I never cared about all the effort that, that chemists have put in in order to come up with that stuff until I had a need. There's a lot of people in this world, they just don't realize their need yet. And so for those that perish, they miss the beauty of the cross. Number two, they regard the preaching of the cross as foolishness. Not only do them that perish not see the beauty in the preaching of the cross, they cannot appreciate that you are literally devoting your life to something that is worthwhile, something that may not meet the desires of others in this world, but it is entirely, entirely the most important thing that you can do with your life. Verse 25 compares the foolishness of God with the wisdom of man. Boy, these are weird terms to use when talking about God, isn't it? Even bringing up the word foolish. We are boldly informed that God's foolishness, which I had to look that up because, boy, that struck me as odd, isn't it? It simply means odd or absurd. God has some odd or absurd ways to us. First time in my life, I don't know, maybe you guys have done this forever. First time in my life, I said, I'm going to read the Bible in 90 days. I've never tried that before. It's not like it's that difficult, but I've just not ever tried it before. Because i got five days left. <laughs> Unless I die, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. <laughs> and as you read through the Bible, and as you consume the history of mankind and God's dealings with them, you begin to have a better appreciation 
for the way that God works and it not meeting with oftentimes even our expectations, I will grant you there are some things in the Old Testament that absolutely seem absurd. They don't even seem like justice. But I know that it is. I know that God is just. I know He's just in annihilating an entire nation of people. But it doesn't look like justice, does it, to us. We say, what gives Him the right? Well, He made them. (laughs) You build a house, somebody else wants it, and you know they're going to push me out of here. You've got every right to go over there with a match. Because it is yours. God has every right, doesn't He? It is justice, though it does not meet with our version of justice. Here's a verse that I find to be quite insightful. Proverbs 18, verse number 2. Remember how I said 2020, election year? There's going to be a lot of this going on. Proverbs 18, 2. A fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? This literally means that a fool would rather express their opinion than understand the truth. They would rather talk about what they think than learn what is true. They're not interested in what is true. They're not interested in what is helpful. They want you to learn and to understand and to hear what they think. Boy, I wake up sometimes in the morning and I've got some things that just should not be said. They should not be lived. What I think is far less important than what God says is true. Last concerning the foolish, we see that they find the crucifixion to be a stumbling block in verse number 23. For the Jew, the preaching of the cross is a stumbling block, it says. One reason many have tripped on the gospel instead of finding it to be a sure footing because it does not meet their expectation. Man has a way of forming not only opinions, but expectations. The group called Jews in verse 23 are an ancient people. I mean, they've been around a long time. You look at humanity today, and they want to talk about their roots. They want to talk about where they come from. They want to talk about their people. They want to talk about their language, their culture, their heritage. And maybe you feel that way, and there is some importance perhaps in that. When you come to Christ, you are brought into something superior than to an earthly heritage because I'm here to tell you there's a lot of people, they don't have much of a godly heritage. They don't have much to speak of if they go back a few generations. How do you expect them to stand up there with integrity and confidence and to be able to declare what God has done in their life if all they're doing is looking back in history and saying, well, look what my ancestors did. God's calling us to stand up and to declare the difference that He has made in our life according to His Word. Secondly, we see the group, the saved. Now, the saved this morning, we're only on this side. All you four folks on this side were lost this morning. Somebody was devastated afterwards. They came up and they said something about, well, I, I was sure hoping He was going to do that the other way. They didn't want to be in the group of the, of the unsaved, of the lost Why? Because they probably realize, I used to be that. I don't want to go back. Being saved is far greater. It's more enjoyable, isn't it? Oh, it's pleasant. I'm not saying that you're going to have a life 
that is completely devoid of any negativity. No one's ever going to attack you. You'll always have enough money to pay your bills. I'm telling you, it's going to be great. I'm not saying that. But there is a peace that passes understanding, isn't there? There is a joy that is unspeakable. And salvation is the only thing that brings us to that point where our lives can literally absolutely fall apart. And we can still stand, if we can even stand, and we can say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for all that you have done in my life. You may not want to thank Him for the hardship, but I have found one thing to be true in my 36 years as a novice of history, and that is it does not seem that man seems to learn anything, anything that will truly stick with them without hardship. Hardship seems to be the one teacher that brings us to the place of graduation to actually trusting in Him by faith. Why is that? Is it, is it, does it have to be that way? No. I don't believe it has to be that way. But for us, it seems to be necessary. We oftentimes are so distracted and enamored with the things of this world, we are so devoted to our own desires and pleasures We've set our own expectations. Number one, the saved find the cross to possess beauty. 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. For ye were a sheep going astray, but are now returned to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. I'll be the first to admit that the, the example, the, the day of the crucifixion of Christ, it is not a pretty picture, is it? It is heinous. It is disgusting. It is appalling what mankind is willing to do to one another. But yet as a saved person, I look at it and it's beautiful. I put it in these terms, it's hideously beautiful. It is so awful, and yet so wonderful. Not because of the very things that took place, the brutality of it, the spikes literally, not just, you ever, you ever, there's some builders in here, you ever been shot with a nail gun? Doesn't feel good. You ever, you ever prick your finger on something? I mean, really pricked it or stepped on a nail? It's nothing like what Christ went through. They pierced his flesh, and it was more than that even. For the first time in all of the, of the time that ever was, even before time, God's Son was separated from him because of my sin. And here's the thing about crucifixion. The Romans weren't the first ones to do it. Lots of people had done it. Lots of societies had done it. But they kind of seemed to have really really honed that craft, how to hang somebody on a cross and keep them alive as long as possible in torment. You say, why did they crucify people? Just to torture them? No. It was more than that. It was literally a testimony. This is our trash, and we're taking it out. These are criminals. All they're good for is being taken out like trash. And my Savior 
was hung on a cross like a piece of trash. The very Son of God, the one that spoke those words at the creation, let there be, the one who's going to take me to the presence of the Father one day, hung on that cross like a piece of society's trash. And yet I can look at that, and probably most in this room can look at that and say, you know what, that's awful. But it's kind of beautiful. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? Don't be discouraged when the, when the unsaved don't see the beauty of the message you're giving them yet. The day may come. I believe the day is coming. When many of the people that we love and have prayed for and have told the gospel to, they're going to trust the same Savior that we love. Beautiful picture, beautiful Savior, and uh, you know I was just sitting there and and uh, letting the Lord minister in my heart and and uh, truly what an appropriate message tonight, brother, and uh, how how beautiful the cross is and how wonderful our Savior is and uh, it, it's it's a blessing. You know what, if you need to, you know, the Lord's convicting you and working in your heart right now, uh, let's take some time. I'd, I'd like Laura just to play through something, whatever you have there. And uh, you know what, just go to the Lord in prayer for a while. If there's some decisions you need to make, let's do that. Let's pray.